It took a little longer than usual, but the transition episode 34 is here, and we squeezed a lot into this episode, from the quick music takes and comments in the first part of the show, to the discussion on police and ending with the election, we covered a lot, alright, we covered a lot this episode, but the discussions were great, especially diving in and taking a deep look and a taking a hard look at the changes that we want to some of these systems that we've always talked about on this show. Really, really cool. Uh, so I'm going to be quiet and let you guys enjoy the transition episode 34. Welcome to the transition episode 34. Oscar Prince, Dimitri Williams back in the studio once again. Alex Kaprinsky is here. Dimitri is kind of sort of here, I think. <laughs> and we are here to do another episode of the Transition Podcast coming to you on a Tuesday evening. We're a little bit late on the recording because, you know, the past 10 days in the U.S. have just been like, my goodness, it felt like we were in like a Cold War or something for the past 10 days. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to make it. Um, but here we are on the other side of it coming to you was today, November 10th, um, post-election. Oh, my gosh. We have so much. To, we have so much to talk about. It's not even funny. Um, but Alex, how are you doing before we get into things? How are you feeling? How was your, um, past like seven, eight days or so? I am feeling pretty sensational. Not gonna, <laughs> not, sensational. <laughs> not gonna What's lie. That? That's like the, uh, the, um, the future meme. How are you feeling? Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what does cheesecake taste like? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're doing pretty good after, after the dub. My birthday and Joe Biden got elect got well, I can't even talk right now. Happened on the oh same goodness. day. November, November seventh ended up being a uh being a better a beautiful day. evening. Being a better <laughs> day than I anticipated. So the country's moving in the right direction. I'm moving in the right direction. And all He's now twenty three. Jordan yeah, year has began. Getting old, man. Wasting <laughs> wasting wasting my early twenties in the middle of a pandemic, but it's cool. That's not no big deal. When we, I, I just wonder when we're going to even get out of this thing. Like, now we have had a changing of the guard. Not even yet. It, it comes in January, obviously. But it's like, okay, hopefully COVID policies are going to improve. And hopefully the, like, the general, like, awareness and understanding that this disease is real is going to change. But, like, I don't know. Even the countries that were taking it seriously are starting to revert back to what they were before. So I'm like, I don't know. We're, we're not we're not in the clear quite yet just because we got rid of um, Donald Trump, especially with the whole COVID thing is concerned. But... <sighs> yeah, winter's. Yeah, it's, be, it's a step. It's a yeah, step. Winter's it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, winter's gonna be bad though. Winter's so. coming. Winter, Shout out Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. Uh, what do I have to say? <laughs> Pfizer. Pfizer just released pretty good vaccine. Yeah, ninety percent, right? Ninety percent. Yeah, with their German uh, German counterpart, BioNTech. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I think there's only supposed to be fifteen or 20, 20 million doses that are available by end of year, and that's going to be going to. Healthcare workers, very, very, very deservedly, and uh, probably first, uh, first line, front line workers, also very, very deservedly. So, from what I'm hearing, it's not going to be widely available until probably the summer. <laughs> so, many, many months from now, mm. as far as what a return to actual normalcy looks like. So, I'm trying not to get out over my skis right now, as far as wanting to leave the house again. I'm gonna have to hunker down for the next eight months or something, but. Enough about me. I feel how, like, how, are, how are you doing? <laughs> no, uh, with that in line, before I go into me, yeah. I feel like the the vaccine, like people were saying like, oh, it's going to take like two years or so when like this whole thing kind of popped off in like January, February, March-ish. Um, so I was like, all right, like we can expect this around that same time in 2022. 
But now it's like being expedited to the summer of 2021. I'm like, okay, they were working so hard. You know, they were able to get it done. Things went well with the, you know, the trials and things like that, that they must have put this through. Um, and now we're going to see like, you know, is this going to come to fruition? But at the same time, I do, I am that skeptic. I, my tinfoil hat is on that. It's like, wait a minute. Like I, that came out a little bit too fast for a disease that, that seemed this, this crazy. Like I'm, I'm not sure if those, uh, if I want to be in that first batch so to speak. Um, I mean, I'm sure like there's going to be certain people outside of healthcare workers and first responders that get access to that, um, that, uh, that vaccine by, you know, certain means, AKA money. Um, and we'll see how those go, but I don't know. I don't want to end up growing like a third eye or something because I decided to take it in the summer of 2021 instead of, you know, um, spring or, or, or winter, um, the, the following year. So I don't know. Well, we'll see. Um, but it's um it's it, it is positive news I would say it's it's been a pretty good seven days overall. Um, the first half of those seven days were like oh my god we're all gonna die, um, but Jesus. after 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 it came along a little bit and we'll talk about this of course in the second half of the show um, with everything that went on in the country and whatnot. Um, but after we came to that second half like all right things mellowed out everybody was good we had a pretty good acceptance speech um, people got emotional everyone was dancing in the streets, um, and you know the Trump supporters just slunk back into the the cornfields where they from whence they came <laughs> so that's that's been pretty cool but other than that week has been pretty solid working away as usual the weather has been amazing it's been like beautiful. 70 70 75 here in beautiful rural pennsylvania where i live so i can't complain um and yeah pretty good pretty good so far so the music segment, which is going to be extremely short on this episode because there's actually not that much music stuff to talk about <laughs> Um, let's just get into what we've been listening to. Honestly, I'll probably take us like 10, 15 minutes and then we can transition into the, to the things that the people really want to hear in terms of police reform and politics and all the stuff that we usually don't talk about on this podcast. (laughs) It's a special episode this time around. What have you been listening to, Alex? What is your like last seven, eight days of music history been looking like for me? It's been looking like a lot of trash. I've been listening to some garbage music over the past, like week or so i don't know why well give me a give me a sneak peek before i go into before give me a sneak I go, peek. Before right. I go into mine. i've been listening to this artist and i'm gonna have to to put in his music here as well remember that artist i sent you on instagram like that that white guy who was rapping with that um those those people from pg county yeah i've been going back through his catalog and listening to his music that's how dark the days have been i need some good new music to listen to i, I like now i'm just listening to people just out of curiosity rather than like oh this is actually a pretty good artist and i think the artist's name is since 99 um, he's like this super young white dude who's very not great, <laughs> but the music is like you know standard trap affair. Um, and it's it's been decent to listen to on you know my my workouts or or whatever I happen to be doing. Just you know that kind of like background mindless music. Um, and then aside from that, I've just been re-listening to the things that I actually really do like. I've been going back through J. Cole songs, been going back through um, who else? I've been listening to that Spills Village project a little bit more. Um, listening to Logic still, going back, listening to the Benny Bo- Benny the Butcher album, <laughs> and listening to uh, that Streams of Thought Volume Three. So it's just been a it's it's been a lot of stuff on repeat, and the new stuff I'm listening to is not good. I repeat. 
it is not good. I do not stand by my actions. Do not don't be like me. Don't get don't get um uh drawn into the the trap music um influence. <laughs> but yeah, so that's been me. What have, what have I been listening to? I don't even probably know. something a lot better than I have. Honestly, it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we nah, both I, fell this week. We both I'm, fell down a notch. Nah, I've been listening to some good music. I got a couple of recommendations. Okay. Um, okay. Levin Kali, I believe, is the name of this artist. Younger artist, R&B, out of Brooklyn, released, God, released an album called High Tide probably damn near a year ago, year and oh a half God. ago now. I was in, I was living in Brooklyn when he released, when he released this project. So. Sun shines through my window pane, but it feels like rain when you're gone. No one can replace you. Were Tim's during this period, or were you just dressed the same? Oh no, I was wearing Tim's. Yeah, <laughs> Tim's and a Yankees fitted. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I was the complete hove like starter kit was on the bubble coat and everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay got you yeah but yeah levin cali super talented r&b artist was featured on i believe a playboy cardi project it might have been his self that's how everybody gets their start right off the playboy cardi it might have been his self-titled might have been his self-titled project but really interesting r&b kind of right in the pocket of content that i like to listen to so that's one Mac Miller's nice. Divine Feminine. I've oh. also been. Which sorry to cut you off. I've yeah. also I went back through and listened to Mac Miller's Circles finally. Pretty Thoughts? pretty darn good. Uh, well, maybe we can talk about that um next week when I have more time. But um it was it was really interesting. I never listened to one of his albums just like front to back before. And I was like, man, I see why people like this guy. He was he was different. I haven't heard anything like that ever. I don't think. Yeah, Max Crazy. The instrumentals on that project were Ridiculous. incredible too. Yeah. <laughs> like his sound engineer must be a wizard. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know how those things even came to came to be. Like I don't know what I was listening to. I can't even qualify that as rap, I don't think, anymore. It's like Kendrick, man. It's not like hip hop. It's like I don't even know. Like it's it's a step beyond whatever <laughs> whatever that would mm. be. But yeah, uh, what am I? Did the Divine Feminine. Divine yeah. Fe- yeah. Mac Miller. Um Great album, ten tracks, great content, great music, great production. Quick listen, yeah, yeah quick listen. I, I like, like we've talked about before. Big fan of the ten, <laughs> the ten track. Ten, eleven. That's the pocket right there. That's what you need. No, no more than that. Um, unless yeah, you're Buster Rhymes and you unless, want to, you know, drop twenty five songs on an album yeah, for some reason. Say, I, unless you're you know, like dropping the triple disc on us. Yeah, just give me, just give me ten tracks and we're good to go. Why do people? All right, you know that's a rant for another Streams, day. I, I hate man. the fact that people. Do, I guess so, but it's like Streaming it's just so music. obvious. Yeah, huh? yeah, that's actually a, that's actually a great topic we should talk about. But um, <laughs> it, since everyone knows that you're doing it for streams, like, like isn't this? Wouldn't you just stop doing it because you're thinking like, ah, oh, this is like an obvious ploy. I don't want to look like you know I'm clout chasing or stream chasing or whatever it would be called. But I guess they really just don't care. <laughs> They're just like, I'm gonna do what I gotta do to get my streams up. What can I do, say? Do really Shout out good, Detroit too. Yeah. Do really good artists drop uh, like forty track projects? Do they drop thirty track projects? The only one I can think of is Chris. No. Is Chris? I mean, yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. It's like Brown, okay, Chris sorry, Brown is like the <laughs> Chris. Uh, yeah, yeah. Staples. <laughs> um, but uh, that's like the only that's like the only person I can think of. At least the people that I have in my like upper echelon of yeah. you know rap artists like 
they they don't really do that. I mean, longest you're gonna get is like a fifteen, maybe, and you might get it every other year. <laughs> it's not like these artists that drop like two albums a year. Each one is twenty five songs, and they're like, yeah, I'm putting in work. It's like, no, all the songs sound the same. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. I agree. I might be this might be the hot take of kind of what consensus Uh-oh. is, but I thought like More Life was a really good album and that was a lot of a lot of music. That's true. More Life More Life was pretty long. Even that one he came out with um oh Scorpion. Scorpion. Scorpion yeah. was pretty long too cuz that was a double disc, wasn't it? Yeah, that one was bad though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that part. It was trash. Yeah. Um but More Life More Life wasn't bad. I I preferred it over Scorpion. Um Much I will better. say that. Yeah, yeah bring I back actually saw I was going to say, I don't want to cut you off, but bring back Sampha. Wherever you are, Mm. Sampha, I Mm. want you to start making, who was another artist I've been listening to this week, but start making music again. I don't know what the hell you're doing. fell off. Yeah, but drop something, album, EP, I don't know. Your voice is Single. Single, yeah, your voice is. Alex just wants to hear your voice again, that's it. It's missed in this uh, abyss of mediocrity, so yeah. (laughs) What a great analogy. (laughs) Yeah, he was he was featured on the Alicia Keys project actually, which was mm. which was really nice. So it was good to hear from Sam. I'm glad to hear the pulse is still going. But give us <laughs> good to hear you didn't catch coronavirus. Yeah, my give friend, us, give us an EP <laughs> or something though. Yeah. Um. Think, actually, bef- yeah, before you go, I was just gonna say, speaking on like a whole Drake point, I remember I think I saw this tweet or comment that he released saying like people hated on views, so they're gonna hate on this next thing that I re- I'm gonna release, which I think is like he's planning on doing like an R and B type project. So. If you like views and you like Drake doing R and B, I think you're you're in for something good in the the coming months. So I I think you fall into that category, right? You like Drake's R and B? I hate Drake's R and B. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, do you mean his R and B nowadays, or are you talking about just you know forever? Like, do you like the stuff off Nothing Was the Same, or you know all that that previous stuff? I really like Take Care. I just don't Take like, Care. Yeah, yeah. Like I liked I liked that era of Drake R and B. I just don't think Marvin's Room, like, all that good stuff. Yeah, I just don't think I don't know. It's and I don't know if it was just I was like I don't want to say younger and like didn't know didn't know better, but I think that's what my lens of R and B. You were young and in your feelings. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what my lens of R and B was though too. Like yeah. that's what I thought it was supposed to be. And now you listen to like Miguel Sampha, uh, Levin Kelly, another one, and you kind of understand you what actual R and B is supposed to sound like. And then Drake's just starts getting watered down. Watered yeah, hold down, on a second. Down. These. Lyrics are kind of terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the delivery's good, like yeah. the production's good, but it's like at at the core substance, it's like these these topics aren't very meaningful. Which no, is yeah, the 100%. problem I have with R and B sometimes. Yeah, song structure starts to get boring with Drake. It's the same. It's the same rinse and repeat formula, and it's just it's just not really not great music anymore. Listen, so. <laughs> seems exactly. you got rid to a lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> Drake's voice is both like great and annoying at the same time. <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe it. It's weird. Like sometimes I think he sings really like "Shot for Me." I really liked off of "Take Care," but then how's ha- that go? I'm not gonna sing, man. <laughs> I was hoping I could have good you try, do it. Good try. <laughs> I'm tired as hell right now, but I'm not that tired. <laughs> I was just like, oh, what goes? I'm like, nope, I'm not gonna do it. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, like those those oldest those I feel like. Uh, that's actually a great point um those older drake songs i think people it's like that nostalgia effect like people look back at them with like those rose-colored glasses of like oh wow this used to be so good like this is that old drake etc etc they do that same with thing with kanye except it's actually applicable with kanye because old kanye actually really is good like 
just all time is this music yeah. is pretty timeless but um with drake everyone thinks back like oh my gosh it used to be so great etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you actually go back and it's like no your ear just wasn't as <laughs> wasn't great good. as you may have think it like yeah. you were in 10th grade you're in ninth grade like that's why it was hitting to you because you know x y and z's you know same reason we have uh really appreciate a lot of artists i did I throw know, on all of a sudden Kanye. i think of bryson tiller <laughs> yeah no i did throw on that Kanye we're not gonna Jesus get into album. that uh that, that jesus kanye album this week as well and other than that chick-fil-a song you threw that it, on i did i did oh you put money in kanye's pockets how I, dare no, you i gave him streams but other than that chick-fil-a <laughs> song i really didn't think it was bad to be completely was, honest with you i have no context to even like talk about this album whatsoever but the fact that oh. there's a chick-fil-a song means i'm never gonna listen to it yeah, <laughs> like no, that what was, I don't know. His production's so good, but I digress. I guess the last two projects I wanna uh, I wanna shout out. Yeah, are I'll con- let you uh, Confessions by Usher gave that a bunch of streams Usher, this Usher, week. Usher. Yeah, forget how good Usher is. That album is an utter classic. And then uh, Collection Number One by Saint John, his first full length project that he released. Full album coming the twenty third, I believe. Twentieth. Yeah. Twentieth. Yeah. Excuse yeah. me, I'm not a true fan. Twentieth. <laughs> so okay. T minus what now two damn near a week and a half so yeah yeah that, that'll be the review on episode number 30 36 there it is you can do math barely dude <laughs> clap it up for alex all right <laughs> yeah so that's, but yeah i'm looking forward to that project actually yeah that's all i got though and then the tie the tie project i also listened to a bunch still. oh the, okay got you that super long speak yes. speaking of long albums yeah, speaking <laughs> of superstars making long projects oh my god um yeah i i guess that kind of ends off the music segment more or less i don't really have anything else to get into i, I think like we were saying beforehand we're going to talk about the buster rhymes thing yeah um next week because uh, I honestly I listened to like three four songs and I was like let me go ahead and turn this off let me let me turn back on some since ninety nine some quality music do I rap um, better than him he actually has some bars in there oh, which I'm like man. okay not bad but it's like those low level bars that it's just like anybody can kind of come up with that stuff but I think if you and six since ninety nine got into a rap battle you could hold your own I think you'd be able to spit some heat yeah if I could get if I could get a couple six like if I could write a if I could write a sixteen I feel like I could get him. I don't know who this man is, but <laughs> I'm gonna send you some of his songs. He has some. He 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 does like the classic. Um, you give me the you Instagram know, like, snippet, right? Yeah, I did yeah. send you the Instagram. He he okay. he does like the classic stuff. Um, what, what was one of his bars? Uh, t- uh, talking on Twitter, okay, boomer, like stuff like that. You stay in ho- Oklahoma. I know you're a sooner. Um, you know, so it's like little, just like wordplay, catching plays like Jarvis Landry, like <laughs> stuff like that. That's kind of funny in the moment, but it's just like, all right, like that's pretty basic. Like anybody can really rap like that. Bro, I'd hit um, them with the sick like Corona bars, and it would be. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'll take out your whole team like Corona. Yeah, <laughs> done. Got the gun on me. It's not a Lona. All right, we're gonna move on to. <laughs> oh, Alex just sat up in his chair. He wants me to keep going. I gotta, I gotta save it for the EP, Alex. I gotta save it for the EP. I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta get the DJ Clue bomb drop on here so I can just hit it whenever we say something like that. Um, <laughs> Yo, did you have another topic you wanted to? <laughs> did you have something you wanted to talk about? By the way, was there the I'm surprise to topic that you were talking about before? Oh, since '99 was the surprise oh, topic. That was. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> that was the surprise topic. Before Jeez. we got started, or maybe we were actually recording by this point. I was telling Alex, like, oh, yeah, I got some notes to talk about. But, uh, yeah, that was it. That was, that was a surprise. I'm listening to somebody so trash, and I'm wasting my time. Um, 
699 is going to come and shoot up my house in a second. Bro, dog is so greasy. He's got full 21 Savage. <laughs> so far just wanted to put a quick little statement in here before we get into this next segment we're going to talk about a lot of different things we're going to be pulling out facts that we tried our best to research but obviously we may not have been perfect so if we say anything wrong or give any disinformation we apologize in advance and feel free to correct us of course um, but just wanted to throw this little disclaimer in there and make sure you rate the episode give us five stars on apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this on and enjoy the rest of the show peace With that, we'll transition into the second half, which is the um, the meteor half, if you will, pause of the, the podcast this time around. Um, what do you want to get into first, election or police stuff? Because we got a lot to talk about either way. I was going to say, do you want to do you want to talk about police first? I, I would I would like you to lead on this topic. You'd like me to lead. Yes. My... All right. Let me let me grab your hand. Let me grab my phone, <laughs> iPhone notes, and um, I will I will do just that. Um, so. We promised, uh, I think it was it was last episode, right? Yeah, it was last, last episode, episode. Um, that we were going to do some research. We were going to try and come up with some more educated opinions on this whole police thing. And as I was telling Alex before we got started, a lot of our assumptions actually were correct based on what I was looking up. And I'm like, okay, well, that kind of makes me sad. I was yeah. hoping we would be wrong in some degree. <laughs> Bro, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. our, our intuition was actually pretty on the money for um, it, it 95% wasn't far off. <laughs> of the stuff that we were saying. And if it was off by a little bit, it was like semantics, basically. Yeah. But Oh, man. Okay, so where to begin? I just, I just honestly wrote down a ton of interesting facts that I thought were just kind of cool. So let's kind of go through some of the um, negative things I unearthed, and you can just kind of go back and forth with me and interject as you, as you see fit. So um, one thing I was thinking about off the bat that, that we had brought up was just the, the training gap, the, the disparity, I guess you could say, between U.S. police officers and other countries with good police forces, you know, uh, your Germany, Norway, Switzerland, et cetera. Um, of course, they have a lot less crime than we do, but, you know, work with me here. At least they put in the work in terms of training. So I from what Honestly, I found pause. Real yeah, quick, but the fact that they have less crime, I feel like is even more an indictment on our police. Open that, that third eye. People. That we, don't, that we don't train them. They have less crime. They train them more. We have more crime and they train. We them train less. them less. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you think about it, it actually is kind of it's kind of backwards. Huh? I was going to say I didn't mean to interject there, but that one just seemed a little bit a little bit backwards. But... No, you're thinking I, I that, that's true. Uh, that's actually a really good point. Um, and what I what I saw from my uh, research and a few different places said this and I'm and when I say my research I'm usually looking into either organizations that kind of focus solely on um, police reform I think one was bookings edu or something like that yep. I'll probably have to put all these links down um, in the the show notes um, New York Times Washington Post etc cetera, etc cetera. fairly reasonable trusted sources even if they're not a hundred percent accurate I can at least assume they're like 75 80. Um, which is good enough for the transition podcast. So <laughs> the maximum I saw in terms of police training was about eight months, um, which is, I feel like we were kind of in that neighborhood. Like you kind of get a, a less than a year, but more than half a year of training, which is pretty terrible. You know, if we're we're thinking back to the example we were posing before of like, you know, uh, a doctor or all these other professions that are important and can, you know, end up taking people's lives if they make a mistake you know you're talking about like 10 years of training upwards of 10 years of training multiple shadowing shadowing for years not just a few months 
Um, and I guess the the idea is that, okay, well, the need for – well, I don't even know. Is there a higher need for police officers than doctors? I don't know. Um, but I guess they're just saying you, you need to have a quicker turnaround time, so that's why they decided to do it. But as some of those police forces I mentioned earlier, Germany, Norway, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, other good ones, you're talking about two years, maybe upwards of two years. Um, and training is more focused on non-lethal techniques, believe it or not. Um, you know, using your gun as a last resort, not firearms training on, you know, month two type of deal. So it's it's uh, and I think that really goes a long way in terms of the culture of a police force. Right. Um, especially. And, and one um, thing I found kind of interesting, Spain, for one, actually requires the use of warning shots before a gun is actually discharged towards a suspect. So if, you know, Alex is robbing a bank or, or doing something that's pretty obviously criminal, you have to kind of exercise lethal force as like a way to, I will do this if I have to, but not just a immediately pull up, start shooting type of deal, you know, like a Tamir Rice type of situation. Seems to um, make sense. Makes, makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> when the- I read that, I was like, that should be required everywhere. Like before you use lethal force, there should be a warning that, hey, I will use lethal force. And a lot of times the suspects and the people we see don't get that. They just, you know, get shot 12 times. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think Brianna Taylor really got a warning, but I mean, yeah, considering she was sleeping in her own yeah. home, they they were in the wrong house, and it was like five different guys with automatic uh, machine guns. Not really much of a warning, I would say. Yep. Um, but you know, we if you if you want to hear our full opinions on that, go back to uh, like around seven episodes ago. Uh, seven episodes ago, anyway. Um, and I was trying to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit here, and I want to pose this question to you: Do you think that? the the immediacy or like the urgency to use lethal lethal force on uh in terms of the police that is do you think it's because everyone in well not everyone but a lot of people in the u.s are armed and they have weapons so by proxy the police need to be as kind of like on edge or on 10 if, if i could use that uh that uh um, analogy as as civilians maybe is, is, do you think that's why lethal force is so emphasized over here it's a really good question um <clears throat> Honestly, and I, mm. I don't, I don't know enough about this answer to probably make. I don't know. We're just talking opinions. Yeah. So my thought would be that would probably go back to what training is like and how you, how you mentally and psychologically approach the suspects and the people that you're policing. I don't know. Good point. And that's, I think that's got to be kind of key and to this problem. Just to interject a little bit more, yeah. that's another thing that those police forces that I mentioned emphasize more: de-escalation, um, you know, social skills, the ability to kind of talk down a situation without even having to, you know, reach for your weapon. That's that's kind of a big deal in a lot of places. I think the social skills of uh, the U.S. police forces, just across the board, you know, all eighteen thousand counties or districts or whatever the heck they're called. They, it's not that great. I feel like there's uh, police officers tend to be a. I mean, you do run into great officers, and I have before. But yes. I, I feel like you you also run into a lot that are very unyielding and just I don't know. Um, this 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 very hard to work with and and rigid, which is tough. You know, a police officer should probably be someone a little bit more socially like aware and socially um, dynamic, I guess you could say. But yeah, you can uh, go ahead with your point. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say I think. I don't know. I haven't talked to enough police officers to really make this make this determination. But I think how you yeah, Alex doesn't talk to the pigs. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think how you approach how you approach suspects, how you approach people, how you Mm -hmm. look at your job. I think is I think is very important. And if you if you treat everybody like they potentially 
are armed and dangerous. And if you add on top of that actual bias, subconscious bias, it's just a tower that's waiting to collapse from they under all kick you. in, yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just issues that stack and stack and stack, and then it leads to these kind of problems. Do you do you have a take on that as to why I you do? Think? Yeah, I'm interested. Um, and it goes back into what I was reading <laughs> from uh, you know from uh, from these few articles or you know seminars or whatever that I was kind of uh, looking into, and it goes back to this whole thing. And you literally said this. I'm not sure if you actually called it the same thing, but it's called the warrior mentality, and it's been investigated in multiple um, police forces that they have like this us versus them warrior mentality my life is on the line constantly and i have to do what i have to do to survive um and there's been an attempt in recent years to kind of break up that mentality and like you know debunk that and and make police officers feel a little bit more um i guess safe or okay around civilians or, or in these environments that they're being put into um but it proves to be pretty difficult that you know if that's just i don't know it's just a culture it's it's just what police officers think and it's how a lot of them go into their jobs and go into these interactions which like you're saying makes them a lot more problematic go ahead yeah so here's my question for you how do you feel like the most the most recent i should say stances against police are going to contribute to that warrior mentality and like you said it's just going to make it worse like it's just going to make it that more us versus them um, us versus the world type thing. And it's like, I don't know how, but at, at the same time, I don't know how you kind of break up that mentality or or even want to, uh, and it's just hard with these officers doing things that are just so blatantly terrible. It's like, okay, I understand their perspective to a degree, but it's like some of this stuff is just so egregious. It just, I don't know. It's, it just makes it hard from all sides. Um, because I have another question like, after this, but go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I was just going to say, but then you think of it, it's like I think of it from both perspectives, and it's like I can see both perspectives is, I can see the argument of both perspectives, basically. More on the, the side of the innocent civilian, obviously. Um, but from a police officer's stance, I'm like, okay, the job is pretty dangerous. Like, I do understand that it, it does sometimes probably feels that way, especially if you, let's say, ideally, you know, you're not Derek Chauvin. You're not these terrible officers. Yep. Um, you're, you're a good officer, let's say. You're someone who takes your job seriously. You've put in the time. you put in the effort. And you're trying to, to do the job the correct way, or at least the way you think is the correct way, um, with the training you've been given. And you're seeing the way police officers nowadays are kind of being uh, treated or talked about or et cetera, et cetera. And you know it's kind of like a uh, an edgy situation. And you got to think, this is... Not that it's just some guy off the street, but it's like, like I said, with our training, and maybe this is what everything ties back into, is that there's just not enough support for the officers even to begin with. So you're setting them up for failure in a way. Um, you know, you're thinking this person, okay, I've been on the force for a few years, but, you know, after you you get your initial training, there isn't a lot of additional training beyond that. There's a lot of, um, you know, if you want to or optional uh, training, but it's, it, it's kind of you, you learn on the fly, it seems somewhat, which sounds terrible, but it, it, that's the kind of vibe I got at least. But and you have to think of it from this perspective that you're going into these situations and they are what they are, right? And you're going to take from them what you take from them if no one's kind of guiding you and, and helping you along that journey. Um and, and you just end up in that place of, uh, of of thought and that school of thought. And, of course, when you have, you know, those 10, 15-year, 20-year police veterans around you who end up being the ones to kind of take you under their wing or train you in the way things are done, um, you know, they're not playing by the book. They're not playing by the rules. They're playing by the rules that they've created and what's had gotten them through their 10, 15, 20 years. And it's just like the cycle continues over and over again. But then from the civilian stance, it's like, OK, well, I expect the officer to be this ideal. And we talked about it all the time on this podcast, obviously, like 
what we think a police officer is and what they actually are, are very different from what I've seen. Um, and going into with going into it with that mindset and expecting that okay, uh, an officer should at least uphold this bar or this bar or this bar, and they constantly seem to be letting you down, especially if you're a person of color. It's just like man, like I I I don't really see how I can what we can do here, honestly. But um, yeah, I'm not sure if that completely answered the question, but I hopefully it did. What, what was your other question actually? So I guess we want to go back to cancel culture, right? Mm. Like, I guess my question is, do I feel like police as a whole is is and the idea of policing is getting canceled right now? And we talked. I about, mean, that's the whole abolish movement, I guess, right? Yeah, but even in even in general, just the the whole idea, I feel like, of what a mm. police officer almost is is kind of getting canceled by. And I don't, and I need to, I need to tread very lightly here because it's getting canceled by the same mob that has probably that has attempted to cancel other people that probably didn't necessarily deserve to get canceled. But mm. if you're a police officer and you do do your job really well, and mm. Mm. and you do see this nas- this nationwide sentiment turning against you and canceling the pro- canceling your profession, canceling everything that you stand for. It, it, it's an interesting dynamic because at the same time, I think, I don't know, you have, you have to walk a very fine line because I think you do really have to understand and respect the needs of the people that you're serving. But I can see from the, once again, playing devil's advocate, from the perspective of a lot of police officers that really do like work their ass off and try their best to protect and serve that this sense of tribalism is only growing and it's going to create a really interesting dynamic cuz like you said based really on, bad based on <laughs> yeah based based on yeah. how things are playing out this chasm is only going to get more Widely, divided yeah. farther and farther and farther and it's probably going to make i don't even know officers that were more sympathetic less sympathetic now cold-hearted yeah so i don't got to think about it it's like no i agree with you because they're gonna always and it's it's hard to see things from someone else's perspective when you're not them right period and that's just a universal like law like until you walk into walk in someone else's shoes etc etc and a lot of these officers it's hard i would imagine it's going to be hard for them to really emphasize completely with society because they think well you know i'm doing my job i mean i don't know what you guys are talking about like yes they're these terrible officers but i know a lot of great officers right and that's going to be their experience and their understanding and the the opposite is can also be true for these people who are getting hurt um and 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 constantly harassed by police officers right so it's I, i don't know it's that like you said it's like that gap that just cannot seem to be bridged and when you're um talking about other police forces the sentiment and the the the, the overall opinion is completely different. Like police officers are what you would imagine them to be like friendly, like people you can talk to people that you can rely on. And it's just like in this country, I think that that trust, which is the key, right? Um, which uh, an article I was reading was emphasizing that completely. If you, if you don't have the trust of the, of the community, it's just, it's only going to get worse. Like it's, it's only going to get worse on both sides in terms of people maybe canceling officers and not giving them a chance, you know, prematurely and officers not giving people a chance prematurely. Um, so it's just it, it's it's bad news bears. Could not agree more with you. And I don't want to and, and I do want to make make it very clear. The, the whole idea of policing in America has been basically this systemic force that has far more negatively impacted people of color in this country than anybody else. So I am not here standing to try to defend 
policing. But what I do want to say is I yeah. see a lot of videos of and not a lot of videos, but there are videos out there, which yeah, I think yeah. is the sentiment of of certain people where you just go up to police officers and call them fascist, call them racist. Don't even know who they are, but just yell that into their face. And it's an interesting argument because mm. could you could you make the argument that policing as a as a structure is systemically racist? I think mm. you probably could, but probably how you go, yeah. Yeah, but I think how you go about rooting that out and dealing with those problems is is complex and and difficult and challenging. And I don't know. It's once again, like we talked about last week to kind of prelude into this. This is one of the the largest concerns facing our country and it's not something you can just yell and scream about and hope that it gets and fixed on its own. The thing that makes it tough is that in the the eyes of people i think especially now with what's happened in 2020 2019 2018 17 16 15 14 all the way back to like rodney king right like yeah it's just like it's guilty by association at this point like yes. you are a part of the police so you also inherit these sins and these things that the the police have done bad in the past and whether you think that's fair or not i mean that's you know another debate but it's like that is what's happening that's what's going on um and it's just it's tough. I mean, it's funny because there was, I feel like there was a period and I'm not sure if it's in between or, or, you know, before or at some point when all these police incidents and terrible things were happening that I feel like the sentiment, I'm not sure if you remember this because it's been so long ago now. I feel like the sentiment around officers wasn't as bad. It wasn't this bad. Like it wasn't always like this. I feel like at least to my understanding, there was always like that tension, but there were, you know, those, as, as you say, the, those those videos of people calling, you know, police officers racist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There was also the videos of, like, you know, police pulling up to a random park and then playing people in basketball and, like, all those other cool, like, heartwarming things that you kind of miss seeing. And those good stories, like, those are kind of eroded, which I think is unfortunate. I think that is somewhat of a disservice to the thing that the police officers are trying to do and the officers that are part of their communities and that are, you know, working to, to um better relations like they're also doing something um but it's just like it's just it's tough um yeah and then also what were you gonna say no i was just gonna i was just gonna kind of i don't know not necessarily lay out my argument but lay out what i've what i have to think about this whole thing and and i do think there are a lot of very good very good uh very good police officers but i also think the 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 system and the policing complex as a whole mm. is very systemically racist and very flawed. And that's where, and that's kind yeah. of what you have to attack kind of the training, everything that builds into this policing infrastructure needs mm. to get seriously altered. And I think the thing that's really needs to start that, and I, you're probably going to touch on this a little bit later is the accountability, the accountability aspect. That what, is the buzzword. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What, what, at what point can you not shoot people and just walk away free because you're a police officer? Or get reinserted to another police district somewhere else and just kind of get tossed back into Dude, circulation to avoid is, the charges. It is literally <laughs> like the Catholic Church. Like, you, you, you go around, you molest somebody somewhere, you get thrown to another church, and you're we'll good. Don't worry. We'll move you two states over. You're yep. good. And you're yeah. good and you're good to go. It's these organizations that have no oversight, no accountability yeah. whatsoever, and think they can act however they want. And that is definitely a vibe that that permeates that that mentality that permeates the police. They think they can do whatever the hell they want because there is literally no consequences. You can shoot somebody and get away with it. What other job can you do that? Like, 
we both get fired immediately. Well, not get fired, but if we messed up that Scolded, substantially, reprimanded, we would be done. Yeah. If, if and there's no, you, you, the thing is you can't f up that substantially in our job. But if you even got cl- within six degrees of if that, if you like, I don't know, accidentally leak a million a uh, million dollars worth of data at your your company or whatever, like you're gonna get let go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, like and you that, cost us too much. And in a way, it. it uh, sorry to cut you off, but no, I'm just kind no, of agreeing no. with you that in a way, it's like it's hard and especially and this is from the civilian perspective as well like it's hard for me to see another black person get shot point blank like cut and dry that was a, a wrong shooting right and nothing happens and not think like okay this is kind of messed up like it's like when you don't see that accountability it just feels like okay well they just have free reign so why should i like i'm I, now that creates the fear right yeah i'm changing my tune i'm i'm kind of done playing devil's advocate a little bit because it's pissing me off <laughs> the, the, the devil's advocate has ended for uh, this episode of the podcast. yeah I, I, i'm kind of done i complete i completely agree with you and the one thing is too that we talked about i think last week as well i really do think leverage being able to create some sort of centralized data infrastructure around this is going to be massive if amazon can predict what <laughs> i want to purchase next and yeah, know literally. when i want to purchase it how much i want we should be able to do that with policing we we should be able to have and it, it's unbelievable that we don't i know you're going to touch on this i think yeah a little bit that's later. in my next point <laughs> yeah but it, it's it's incredible that we do not have some sort of massive database that we can dig into and create predictive analytics around how certain officers are going to behave if officer x has had complaints at multiple traffic stops he should not be doing that particular job anymore Agreed. and we should be able to predict with certain likelihood what the percentage is that he's going to act out of line again and it's possible it's it's possible oh, it's definitely now. possible and we're doing more complicated things like that as we talked about on last week's episode um, and the thing I think that's interesting with that point from the day perspective, there is not. And I, I've yep. searched this and it, I've gotten it from a few different sources that are um, concurring and there's consensus. There's not necessarily a universal database in terms of police shootings or right or wrong shootings or, you know, just that database that we're kind of thinking of that's going to cr- like have all this information that's going to hold the police accountable and be able to help reform them. That doesn't really exist. I mean, there's one by the FBI that started like four years ago and didn't even get buy-in until one year ago. And even now, not, it's not like every police force is in that and every police officer is 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 kind of beholden to that as being tracked by that standard. It's more like, okay, if you, and especially just what we were talking about earlier, it's an optional thing. You know, all these follow-ups, all these policies, in, yeah. and yeah, you can opt it's in like, or opt out. What the hell? And it's, and it, I, I, I can't remember um, the, this person's name, but it's it's um, one of the, the, the articles I was reading. Her quote was, um, culture eats policy for breakfast every single time. If the, if the culture is a certain way and it's just not going to follow the policy and the people aren't going to follow the policy, then what's the point of the policy, right? Like, why is it even there if it's not going to be followed? And that's and, and, and that's kind of the, the story a lot of the times. But that that idea of data, it's and it's being used in other ways. Like that. Like, I think there's something called I believe it's ShotSpotter or ShotScanner that can actually ShotSpotter. Tri- yep. Yeah, that can actually triangulate or coordinate where gunshots are coming from. So police yeah. response times can be increased. Really cool company. That's crazy. Like, are you like, I didn't even know that existed, <laughs> you know, and that's a great thing. I'm so glad they have something like that, especially for. Um, you know, school shooters for bank robberies for all these different things that, if not contained, can be very dangerous and and cause a lot of collateral damage. But it's like, where? Why won't this get? Why won't the spotlight get turned back on police as well? Why won't that? Why can't that happen? And it can, but it's just, 
it's it's just so much unionization. It's so much um, culture against that. There's so many people even at the top pushing for that to not happen. And it's just like, I don't know how you 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 break through that a lot of times. It's a it's a tough. I don't know. It's a, it's a really tough ask. And it's like when you break down each each problem, like if we had to separate like, OK, um, police training and um, bias training and, and all these different kind of like mini issues that make up the larger issues of the, the police force and in terms of whether they should be armed and all this other stuff. It's just like each of those issues has like 20 different branches of things that need to be solved. <laughs> and it's just like you end yeah. up with like a, a thousand different problems that need to be tackled. Yeah. And by the way, there's 18,000 different places that you need to have to, to have to have the, that influence in. And it just becomes a problem that's like it's almost like it feels it feels like it can't be solved. And I feel like that's why people are kind of at their wits end. Like like this is not going to change. I, I, they they're kind of losing hope in a way, losing trust and losing hope. Which is a pretty dangerous combination, as we as we've seen. Um, did, did you want to say something before I move on to my next topic, though? I don't think so. I don't know if it's too bold, but I almost think there needs to be some sort of like federal, much more. There needs to be more regulation. I, I it's it's one of those things where you're gonna have to force the hand somehow. There needs they're to be, not gonna do it on their own. Yeah, there's so yeah. many areas of this this country that need there needs to be more regulation in farming, and there definitely needs to be more regulation with regarding to police because the states have proven time and time and time again that they cannot handle the state these local governments on their own. are not showing up at all when it comes to these issues no so yeah. and i'm not versed enough in law to really speak uh, don't worry i am i took a yeah. communication and law class we, i can i can handle this took a well yeah we we class. suffered uh we took that class yeah holy shit that was <laughs> yeah so so that that would be kind of just my like off the off the head kind of answer to that there needs to be there needs to be a federal database and there needs to be some form of federal oversight forced accountability as far as yeah because you can't this it, it is because like you said it is it's so understandable why these communities hate the police at this point that it's like I, that's that's why I didn't kind of like playing devil's advocate for this this thing because it's like it's just so obvious and so egregious what a lot mm -hmm. of these officers do and how much abuse these it's communities yeah. have had to deal with for years. This is generational. This isn't just like it's it's been happening for forever. So it's like how do you how do you bridge that gap of trust like you're talking about if interactions have been so negative for so long so what do you, yeah the relationship has always been strained it's just getting worse yeah and what do you do about that it has to be accountability there's the that's the only way you have to be held accountable for your actions and how that and yeah that's the only way people are going to trust you again if they know that if you act the wrong way you're going to be held to a happen. standard yeah cuz in in that case why else would i change my actions if nothing's going to happen to me anyway Zero and i'm going to get a paid vacation i'm yeah. just going to keep the the same ideas and things that i have going um and i think police unions are a big part of that in terms of 100%. especially in terms of just and then like almost a sort of indoctrination like okay you're just joining the force oh you need to you need to get a, you need to get involved with this every other guy on the force is into it and then you kind of get drink that kool-aid and get baked into that system and then another potentially good officer goes down a dark path right in terms and not saying that unions are just inherently bad because of course they have benefits especially from um the civilian side of things who are um unions in a lot of um labor areas are very helpful in actually getting uh, workers rights but and for the police where you already have so much rights and so much power it's like a union just is just layers right on top of that and stops anything from really happening it's like a giant roadblock um but what i wanted to get into before we we go too long on this um because we still do have that election to talk about um say. was a lot of things that i thought 
are solutions potentially and these are solutions that also come with a lot of work to actually have these happen especially i mean one of the ones i wrote down was accountability and actual um punishments for actions but it's like just to get something that seems that simple is going to take i don't want to be negative it's going to take decades but like it's actually going to take a while because everything moves so slow in this country um but anyway so the 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 idea behind this was a better force right a better police force what would we like to see if you could have like your buffet of options what would you like to see? One thing I wanted to get your opinion on was the idea, and you're a business major, so I'm sure you've heard of this before, specialization of labor. Different cops with different skills, with armed with different you know, tools, let's say, to accomplish the job uh, for different circumstances. So you have a noise complaint. You have a cat stuck in a tree. You have those basic, you know, low-level things that aren't really that serious. Do we need a really need an officer who's carrying a gun for that circumstance? Or can we just have a guy that has a baton and a taser and a flashlight? Like, so like it cannot be like a level of police officer. Okay. You have um, a situation where it's domestic abuse or a domestic dispute. Maybe, maybe they go armed, maybe they don't go armed, but maybe they also have um, some type of special training in, you know, uh, problem solving or issue management or de-escalation and they they have that that specialization to them where they're going to be able to handle that situation better than your joe schmo cop off the street okay you have a um you know a bank robbery or or, or something more serious right a gun is involved uh you would think maybe you call in like a specialized force that is trained to handle things like that not you know these police officers that and, and this is another quick point. So many of these officers look like shell shocked when they actually shoot a gun for the first time and, you know, injure someone and hit someone. And it's just like, that's how I can tell you're not you don't know what you don't know what no you're doing idea. and you shouldn't be put in this situation. Right. Like they're looking as shocked as the civilian is that just got shot. They're like, oh, my God, I just shot that person. And it's like, clearly, you have no idea what you're doing. But anyway, hopefully there will be some type of police officer or a certain level you have to reach before you even can be put in that situation. Of course, some things happen split second and you just have to react. But maybe that could help. What do you think about that? Potentially is an idea. Yeah, bro. Officer Ron, who makes it through the police uh, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 academy and however barely many, and however many days it needs to do that who squeaks his way through barely passing tests can't get through the physical portion does not deserve to be handed he shouldn't be he shouldn't be carrying that Glock should not be handed the ability to snuff somebody's life out with the pull of a finger like that, that and that's the thing like you said you should have to there should be some serious me mental and mm -hmm. just, I, I don't even know, mental and psychological training that needs to go before you should even be handed, before you should even be handed a gun. And if they- I would argue wanna, even just sociological training as well. Oh, like, what so, are your, thank you. What are, you, what are your opinions on things? How do you feel about this situation? How would you handle this situation? You know, yes. because it's, honestly, from, from our perspective, from our side, and of course, it's it's not like we're playing, you know, I, I hope, I, I don't think we're playing like a Monday morning quarterback type of thing where, oh, we see the situation and, oh, well, obviously you should have done this. Okay, situations are hard. You do react, et cetera, et cetera. But you would think, and this is the whole thing, you have that bar or that idea of what a police officer would do and what it should be and what you see being done in other places. It's not like, you know, the United States is the entire world. Like, we see other examples, and then you see these officers do the exact opposite. And you're like, why would you Why would you do that in that situation? It just doesn't make any sense. So it, well, yeah. a, lot of that, a lot of that training, I think, is uh, applicable, like you were saying. Just wanted to interject could, that. No, no, no. Could not agree more. And it's like, and like the doctor example, I think is spectacular at the ER. It's yeah, that, that's that's a perfect. Um, 
and it's it's not apples to apples, so you can't really. It's no. hard to just do direct comparisons. But you're not going to give me a scalpel after spending <laughs> uh, two or like six months in school and say go cut this guy's kidney out just because just because you feel like you're like kind of okay to do it. Like that's yeah. just not how that's not how things work when people's lives are in the balance <laughs> with a lot of these acts it's like mm-hmm. you can't you can't just half-ass this stuff and say go do your job now there's got to be yeah. there's got to be more oversight to that and policing i feel like is the only profession that you can get away with that you can get away with this in things that are so egregious and still be able to walk away scot-free yeah well, well i, I just don't have th- so, i don't think yeah. it could be a con- oh, what were you gonna say i was just saying i just there's just very few places you can have so much responsibility and not mm. really have to do anything to get that responsibility yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah a very low bar for a lot of return and uh, reward yeah uh, and i agree with you um and and i'm just gonna kind of go quick through these and if you want to talk about them any anymore we can you can stop me um, so what we were talking about before, slow escalation to, to lethality. And then one thing I was kind of thinking, even if some officers, if you're going into like, I don't know, an area where it's like, all right, they might be carrying baseball bats and knives or something. Maybe you get rubber bullets in the taser instead of actually live rounds. You know, maybe you don't need to, to, to go into that situation with that option of like, OK, well, if this guy comes at me in any type of way physically, I'm just going to go ahead and kill him. Like maybe you, you, you haven't reached that level of, of the force yet. So that's another um, idea as well in terms of that specialization of labor idea. Um, mental health specialist. I, I don't even know. I, I feel like this is just a no brainer, honestly, um, especially after that that situation with Elijah McClain and quick. I don't think we ever actually talked about this one. So quick synopsis that he got stopped by the police. He was having, a, I think, somewhat of a mental episode or he was kind of freaking out with, with what was going on. And they literally injected him with some type of foreign substance to sedate him and it ended up killing him. Um, I didn't think police could actually do something like that, but apparently that's something they're allowed to do is to, to violate your rights and inject you with, with, with some type of sedative to be able to pacify you if they if they can't do so just under normal circumstances. Now, I don't know why they weren't able to pacify someone under normal circumstances and they, like, you know, relented or, or went to this, but that actually happened. You can look it up. Um, but I feel like people who have that type of sensitivity and, and mental health acumen will be able to handle a circumstance way better. Or, you know, if you're just a logically thinking human being, but, you know, well... We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Um, predictive policing, like we talked about, and predictive policing being more than just, um, you know, on civilians and trying to find where the crimes are before they happen. How about we try to stop the bad police officers before they happen as well? Um, accountability. Um, and also from like a more kind of neighborhood policing perspective, also more opportunities for police officers to meet with the communities they serve on a different arena in a different kind of battlefield quote-unquote battlefield like why can't there be like an outreach program where okay like uh, if you would like you can just come out and talk to some officers today if you have any grievances if you have anything you'd like to talk about like these guys are going to be just here and you can just talk to them normally and maybe that's maybe that's somewhere something of bridging the gap like some of those experiences like why are all the uh, why aren't police sometimes uh i, I would say and, and i i blame the forces for this more uh more than the officers themselves granted they could do it themselves but you know you you want like your boss or your your organization to kind of push this and facilitate it why aren't these officers put in positions where they can just talk to to, to people like on a one-to-one perspective and it doesn't have to be oh my god this is an officer i can't say what i would actually like to say because he's gonna like shoot me situation i feel like that would go a long way in terms of changing the narrative and changing the opinion with police officers what do you think about that specifically i mean i think it's a great idea i think the other thing is too 
we're all very tribal as far as how we operate mm-hmm. and we're all very afraid of what is whatever is different than us whether mm-hmm. it be whether it really be anything so finding ways to try to find commonality and try to really understand the people that you're interacting exactly. with and what what they're going through what they think about when they see you i think is very different from what exactly. you may, from what you may think so yeah like exactly like you said trying to find different ways to and i think bridge the gap is a great I don't know. That should be part of Joe Biden's. Uh, yeah, whatever, honestly, whatever, whatever he's that, going to do. That's a good name for a program right there. Yeah, it's been and, the platinum plan. That's the, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I, I think it would go a long way. Honestly, <laughs> I think it would go a, a very long way. Um, and I'm not sure how much buy in. And this is the other thing. Like if you make things like this optional, you might not get the buy in you need force it to happen like whatever you need to do you can make them do other things make them do this like this is important this is meaningful and you have to be able to convince these officers or force them if you have to that it is meaningful and then to to go through the other stuff real quick more things that we talked about before uh union busting eliminating that warrior mindset stop recycling bad police officers um different type of things like that so overall to say i would say if we had to fall on one side of the spectrum um you know of this you know what are they called parabola something um mm. of this this, this spectrum Calculus. of where we're gonna be yeah, yeah. <laughs> alex go cal- yes i i definitely understand like PTSD, that but man. yeah honestly he, start, he alex just starts foaming from the mouth um but if, if, if we had to, had to fall somewhere on that spectrum i would say we probably go more towards the side of reform um because i i think there there is there is something to be salvaged here um, and maybe if the police system as a whole is going to be overhauled, it has to be replaced with something that is going to address the needs that are real. Like these, there are situations that are terrible that police have to handle, but it also has to be dynamic enough to handle the situations that that need that that gentle touch, right? That 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 need that um, a little bit more sensitivity. So, yeah, Could that's that's the more. police reform episode in in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> I under understand, yeah, completely, completely agree with your sentiment and. I, I think the thing really is to all those, and it's really hard to to talk to. Uh, I don't want to use the word the mob, but to talk to all these the people mob. that are saying <laughs> that, that are that, that are out there protesting, saying abolish the police, and it it, it makes sense because as an institution. They have been historically very Alex isn't terrible. talking about about protesters, by the way. I just want to insert that for some clarity. No. Yeah, yeah, No, because as, as, as an institution, they've been historically terrible. But you, I think you have to understand where you're directing your energy at. Are you actually helping the narrative, or are you further widening this chasm, this chasm of us versus them? And what are you actually doing for the narrative? Are you really helping people, or are you going to make these officers more likely to shoot somebody the next time that they that they have a negative interaction which mm. <laughs> so just i think use use your energy wisely as to where as to where you're looking to uh to whether it create change create reform create anything because there are def and what dimitri just laid out is would be incredible and those are the kind of steps that would be a great right police force yeah that need that need to be taken Yelling at Only. yelling at people to abolish and all that stuff does nothing but further antagonize both sides. Because there is a solution that, well, there's in theory a solution. In theory, like like, yeah, yeah. like Dimitri just laid out, and it's a matter of really 
trying to get there and coming together on it rather than tearing apart. So as that's, like that's preachy as that one. sounds, but very yeah. preachy, very idealistic. But you know yeah. that's how we that's how we keep it on the transition podcast. Yeah. Um, no hate yeah, towards I, protesters I w- though. <laughs> just like no, no, not said. at all. And I support anyone who went out there and protested when the opportunity was there. Um, even if you weren't, and I will say this: even if you weren't doing it in ways that I necessarily agree with, you still took the sacrifice of taking out of your your time and your life to actually go out there. But you know, now in hindsight, now thinking back, protests have have more like well i mean there are still a lot of protests going on in some areas but they're kind of dying down everybody's feeling good about this this election but the work nothing has changed really you know the work Zero. is still there so it's like all right other than going out there and, and and doing things like that that are kind of blatantly in support of a certain side or in sort of in in um support of police reform maybe these ideas can start to be implemented at your local police force because at the end of the day i mean those are the ones that are kind of affecting you the most and maybe that's the maybe that's the way i mean obviously we're looking to the police to handle their own problems and fix the problem that they started but it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to do it you know point blank period so it's gonna take some some push from a lot of push from (laughs) from the people themselves to change their local areas and and maybe if that's a concerted effort in you know whatever local area you're in then we start to break down those eighteen thousand different places that have different reform but once again a really good point yeah, I think your voice almost. Hope. Yeah, I feel like your voice almost feels like it gets lost on like a federal and national level. But I do. I, really, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I, I really completely agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I really do think though your vote, your voice, and everything on a local level, I think. Is oh, where, yeah. That's a perfect segue, my friends. Yeah. Speaking of voting, enact that change. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're, we're um, an hour in. What what do we got? We what? are an hour in. We, we got to finish this up in like the got, next fifteen minutes. We got ten. We got ten minutes on Sleepy Joe. Let's get it's it. A Sleepy Joe. All right. So I feel like the entire world was watching this election, especially you know if you if you live in the the U.S. There's no way you weren't paying attention. And even if you're overseas, I feel like countries were kind of on bated breath, like oh Jesus, please tell me they're not going to you know vote in Donald Trump again. Like France, I think when uh, Biden won was like, welcome back U.S. We're, it's so good to actually have you back to being like normal people again. We're back, baby. Exactly. Welcome back. Welcome back. But um, yeah, get that. Yeah. Mask. So I'm gonna. I mean, all right. Do, do you want me to kind of walk through the election, or do you wanna do you wanna take the lead on this one? Because it was, it was a cinematic experience. I'm walk, gonna say because I want to give you my experience, walk, and then you can maybe tell me yours. Walk, walk through it. I want to hear. I'm gonna sit back and listen for a couple minutes. All right, November third. Hold on. What? Let me pull up my calendar. What day was November third of the week? Was that like? A th- thursday i can't remember no that was a tuesday Tuesday. jesus tuesday so we're not even going to talk about election day itself we're going to talk about the days leading up to election day that weekend before that monday and you're hearing everything you're hearing the usps might not have delivered your ballot um there might be trump supporters posted up at your election station with guns and trying to intimidate you and whatever and fights are going to break out and coronavirus is still out there so make sure you wear 16 masks and it was just so much tension around this and you have steve kornacki on the big board talking about they need to win this states, they need to win this states, and just adding up all these different numbers and you're like steve but i thought they only need to reach 270 and he's giving you 16 different scenarios where they could reach 269 instead of 270 and how we could be stuck in a stalemate forever and it was just a lot of stress. It was a lot of stress before this election was going to happen. And personally, I was like, all right, like, let's 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 go ahead and vote. Let's go ahead and do what we got to do. Personally, I live in rural, rural Pennsylvania. So I was kind of like, all right, I'm going to see a lot of Trump flags. And of course, on the election day, when I pulled out of my cul-de-sac, first thing I see is a giant monster truck with Trump flags on. I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> like, this is not looking good. Um, but yeah, so once election day actually came around, 
my voting experience personally was pretty smooth. I, I went like first thing in the morning before they even opened, ended up waiting in line for like 45 minutes, voted, got back in my car and went home. You know, relatively little fanfare. But as the day progressed and votes started rolling in and, and people were telling me more about their experiences and then you started getting trapped into that 24 hour news cycle. Oh, my. It felt like I was in a James Bond movie or something like it got crazy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, are these people going to be able to vote in time? Are their ballots actually going to count, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden it gets to like, you know, the evening, the nighttime of Election Day. And it's like, wait a minute. The entire map is red. What's going on? Everyone's voting for Trump. They rigged the election again. Oh, no. And I'm like screaming in my I literally called you, I think, on election night. Like, dude, it's looking yep. bad. Like, we're not we're not going to pull this one out. Uh, looking dark. <laughs> it was looking dark. I'm like, sleepy Joe couldn't pull it off. Can you believe this? Like the people really didn't come out and vote again. Like, I can't believe after all these programs, after all these after Stacey Abrams basically turned Atlanta into a blue or turned Georgia into a blue state with her efforts after all these NFL players, NBA players, and just other celebrities did all these programs to make people vote. You know, after everything this year, people didn't come on vote. That's how it felt at like eight o'clock on November 3rd. I was like, wow, we suck. Well, not me necessarily, but I don't know. Overall, the collective sucks. Um, we, we, we didn't get it done again. And then I think it was that same night, actually, um, after I got off the phone with you and stopped venting, Joe came out and he was like, we got this one in the bag, guys. We're, we're, we're doing just well. And I'm like, what crack is Joe Biden smoking right now? Like, you are getting smoked, low-key. I was like, all the states that you need to win, you're losing. Like, the blue wall was not built at this time, right? Like, there was, there was Michigan was up in the air. Wisconsin was up in the air. PA was hella up in the air. I was like, damn, I live with all Trump supporters over here, huh? Um, and it was just a lot of crazy stuff happening. And then you go, then you wake up the next day, and they're like, oh, wait a minute. Joe Biden is mounting a comeback in every single state and he wins, you know, Arizona or uh, AP announced that he won Arizona like on Wednesday or something. But it actually didn't get confirmed until like, I don't know, a day or two ago. Um, and that was a, that was like the big turning point. I thought after that happened, everybody was like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. This is kind of tough. Comeback um, is on. <laughs> the comeback is real. Right. Three one type of stuff. Um, <laughs> this looked like the twenty the twenty sixteen Cavs. Um, so he comes back. He's starting to come back. He lost Florida, which people were just like, ooh, you know, like they, they that was that was kind of a hit. Um, but he won Arizona. Bit. What'd you say? That one hurt a little bit. That one hurt. But he won Arizona, and then all of a sudden, all the states are slowly starting to flip. They're getting into the cities, and all you know, all all the all the people in those cities were just like, yeah, we're we're not going for this type of shit. Not not this time around. And, you know, slowly but surely, Michigan started to flip. Wisconsin started to flip. Pennsylvania started to flip. Georgia started to flip, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then Steve Kornacki got on the big board, and he's like, the path to victory is here, folks. We can actually do it, et cetera, et cetera. And it was after it flipped to that point, it actually got very exciting to watch to see, like, okay, like, are we going to pull this off? But that day before, it was stressful. I think I, I, I took at least 10 years off my lifespan by watching the TV as much as I did. And you couldn't escape it. You could not escape that election talk because it was just it's the most important thing going on right now um and slowly but sure we all know how the results went um you know there's a lot of trump was filing lawsuits left right and center in terms of you know these votes shouldn't be counted they were after election day and the supreme court is just like shut the hell up we don't care what you have to say anymore and then you know all these state courts were telling him the same thing and eventually slowly but surely it begrudgingly almost they they called the race in Joe Biden's favor, which took way too long, honestly. It, it, we could see the trends. Steve Kornacki showed me the math. I knew which way this was going to go. Um, and they they finally called it. 
and and that was it finally and then people lost their minds in a good way um you know all the uh all the, all the cities kind of erupted new york was crazy from from what people told me philadelphia was crazy from what i saw um and everybody was just pretty ecstatic I mean, except the people who voted for Donald Trump, I guess. But everybody else, you know, who has a brain was pretty ecstatic, right? Everybody was pretty happy. And it was a I hadn't seen that type of adulation and happiness from the American people in a while, because obviously 2020 sucked. Um, 2019 sucked, kind of, to be honest, as well. Um, and it's just like every year of this presidency, there was I mean, if you, all those only the, the only people that were really getting that happy were the people who were supporting what was going on in the country. And it was just like, I can't get with this. Like, this isn't cool at all. The only time we really came together recently was with the protest. And guess what that was for? A bad thing. Right. It was for black people getting shot. Um, but this was actually for something great, something good happening and a, and a momentous change, I would say, in this year that has really been terrible. Um, so that was really cool to see. Um, even from the election speech or the acceptance speech, rather, from from Kamala coming out and talking, which apparently usually doesn't happen. Apparently, um, vice presidents usually don't actually speak. It's usually just the president. So I'm glad she got to speak because what she's doing is probably just as historical as what Joe's doing, to be honest with you, more. in terms of being the. Uh, yeah, more, honestly, um, in terms of being the first female vice president. And it's it's like a laundry list, the first black vice president, the first Indian, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and first it's it, woman, I, man. the first woman. Kamala. It was it was very cool. It was really really cool. Shout out to her for sure. And I, to be honest, before he she got chosen as the vice president, before this whole kind of thing, going, I really didn't know much about her. Um, but throughout the the time of this election going on, I was like, okay, she 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 seems pretty sturdy. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And then also Joe's speech, um, in terms of just in terms of a unification, and from the perspective of someone who wasn't going to kind of uh, politic and work on the behalf of only one side of the country that was very cool to see um the message wasn't like all right democrats we did it like you know time to take the senate next and and you know pass all the bills that we want to pill want to pass it was more okay we did it now let's actually repair the country like (laughs) let's stop let's stop playing around and let's actually get the country back on track because we haven't been for the past four years maybe even longer than that can i pause you real quick if i if you want me to put my tinfoil hat on yeah Yeah, go ahead i was just gonna say and this is kind of it's really hard because it's kind of what i've been trying to balance the uh i guess the whole episode today this idea of trying to trying to reach out and understand the side that you are the the side that you're opposed to it's, it's tough, especially with the Trump supporters. <laughs> it's it's the I, it, it is incredibly tough, but it's the only way that you can really make it's tangible change. I think, Wait, and I, I you can't have light without the dark, all that stuff. Yeah, well, you can't <laughs> you can't have. I mean, if if the House and the Senate are torn apart, and if the country as a whole Nothing is happens. torn apart, it's like you're in this stalemate for forever. So that's and that's why i don't know it, it doesn't sound great when <laughs> when i try to uh when i try to say some of this stuff because it's like you're siding with these people that are that are, are horrible you a Trump supporter? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but at the same time you need to balance all of these all of these needs and in order to get where where you want there some concessions need to be made and i think joe is going to do a good job of really trying to push through important legislation i hope at least and he's going to try to gain as much bipartisan support as he can, which the only thing that really scares me is I really do think all these Trump people are lost, man. That is the only 
that's the only kind of tough part about this whole thing, which makes me a little bit timid about saying try to reach across the aisle because these people voted for somebody that was so objectively, morally, ethically evil that I don't know if you can really save them anymore. Like, I don't know. I just don't know what you could really do if you vote for that. Like what? What else? Well, what, what else, else is there to the talk table? about, right? Yeah, you voted for misogyny, racism, sexism, the whole, the whole nine yards. The whole nine. Yeah, yeah. And and sixty nine plus million people did that. So it's like at the same time trying to preach a trying to preach unity is really tough right now because you're really trying to unite with some people that are very, very, very nasty, pedal conspiracy theories and have don't believe in science and hate a lot of <laughs> hate a lot of things that are that are good. S- that are exactly. <laughs> thank you for finishing my sentence. That are just no, staple to what that makes simple. this country so great. Yeah. It's that simple, honestly. And it's like a lot of them don't even want to reach across the table and no. try to come to a, a, a consensus. And it's like, ah, and I, I wanted this to be kind of positive, but and I do honestly blame the Republican Party for this. And it's, horrible, oh my God, man. I can't believe I'm actually making statements like this on this podcast. All right, we're going to get this out and we're not going to talk about this anymore. But I, I do kind of blame the Republican Party for that because it's like, you you knew what he was from the beginning. You knew that he was going to stir this th- these fanatics up, basically, and get this type of buy-in, which is kind of crazy, to be honest. There should be a book written on this whole Donald Trump era and how he was able to get this much support. The man got almost 70 million people to come out and vote it's for him. Insane. That's crazy. It's crazy. Like, that was a record. Thank God Joe Biden beat that record, yeah. right? Or we would be in another four years of turmoil. It very easily could have happened. Um, thanks, Electoral College. But it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you see that I do kind of blame them because it's like now it's going to take so much time to kind of fix those fix those wounds in a way and heal that that the just the social stand like how are you ever going to be able to look at someone the same that said yeah I supported Donald Trump because it's just like I I really don't know where to, what to talk to you about I feel like you just you deny everything that is logically and logical and and reasonable in a way and I don't want to say get on some high horse like oh my god Democrats are perfect because they definitely aren't um in a lot of ways actually but it, at the same time the 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 problem i've always had with donald trump is that he was never a and this is what people love about him that he wasn't a democrat or a republican he didn't stand for anything in my opinion he was just a guy who wasn't a politician who had no training who had no background or knowledge or information or real valid leadership he just happened to be the person to get chosen for the job and had enough social cachet and i guess um uh, a lot of positive opinions about him with with certain people to to get the job and it's I, I don't know i don't really know how those relationships are repaired because it's like if i don't know i i really just don't know i feel like i'm out of words <laughs> to to describe this whole situation i feel like the stalemate has ended in terms of as far as the election goes but it's just like the stalemate in terms of the streets and the people like those divisions are still very deeply deeply rooted and i think we t- we took like a decade step back maybe more by voting him in as president well not we but the people who did vote him in as president it's 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 been a massive step back even like get legislation out of the out of the equation and what was passed etc etc and what needs to be redone just the just the social places put us in is it hasn't changed really if you think about it because those 70 million people didn't just disappear all of a sudden because joe biden got voted in they're they're still there and they still hold the same beliefs and they still believe donald trump should have won the election and that it was rigged so I don't know. I don't know where we go from here, to be honest. But I, I, I am happy that it's someone with a pretty, 
pretty a fairly steady hand. He is 77, so it might be a little bit shaky. Um, but a, a fairly steady steady hand in terms of how he would like to direct the country. So I don't know. His four years, I think, are going to be a very hard four years. Uh, it, it's going to be tough. It, it's definitely going to be tough. But we're going to see. We we are going to see. I don't even know what to say. I, it, like, I don't know what to say either. It, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't. What we, we should do a podcast about the. the uh, I don't just know. Like, the lasting effects of the Donald Trump presidency? That and, like, just white people in this country, man. <laughs> it, it, it It's that simple, though. Like, if, if people of color, um, and particularly. Um, black people and native americans did not come out oh to vote God. in this ele- in this election it it would have been another it would have been another 4 years of of the don and one great tweet i saw it's like mm. the most the most disrespected mm-hmm. people in this country are the ones that ended up basically saving democracy this time around so how funny who would have yeah. thought yeah uh, it's just it's just one of those things that's incredibly disheartening but w- and like you said, why are people so attracted to this, <laughs> to this, to this just force of nature that is Donald Trump? And I don't really want to talk about it because it's going to take an hour to really, to really pull another hour, to, yeah, to pull <laughs> to pull those strings apart. But it's something that we should, I think, all be thinking about, and <sighs> something that it sucks. It 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 is very disheartening to see that that many people still sub- i was i was thinking like okay like we're going to be in fairly good consensus with this all right guys like this is going to be like a 74 million to like 50 million 44 yeah. million like you know um margin here and it's not like it was just a difference of a couple million people and obviously a couple million people is a lot of people but in the grand scheme of a country that's a couple hundred million Four million it is it isn't that big of a margin. Like even in these states, like he he won by less than a hundred thousand votes in a lot of these states. That's not a lot of votes, right? Like that's that's really not that margins much. Margins were slim. Um margins were very slim. So it shows that this country is still very much divided. It's still very much people standing on one side of the fence and a lot of people standing on the other side. And if you want to be nihilistic and, you know, pessimistic and all that other istic you know things like maybe the country i mean the country has most more or less always been that way um maybe it's the worst it's 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 been in a long time like it's i don't i mean it's not civil war bad but you know it's 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 feel like it's getting there somewhat honestly the way the the opinions were so split and i think I mean, if we had got those another four years of Trump, we might have been on the verge of civil war. I'm, I'm maybe that maybe I'm like pushing it a little bit, but I feel like it would have gotten really bad. Like I, I it would have gotten really bad. The streets would have spoken if Trump got elected again. Yeah, would have been it would have been it. There would have been some carnage. But yeah. But, we don't but luckily, to, that we didn't happen. Think, we don't. We don't have to think about that. <laughs> yeah. The U.S. hung on by that much. <laughs> a thread. Yeah, really, really a thread. But um, yeah, that was that was the election overall in a nutshell. Biden is the president elect. We can be expecting Sleepy Joe to um crip walk his way into the White House in mid January. And there's been so many funny memes of like old white people doing cool things and everyone's like, yo, look at this. This is Biden. It's like that one guy was throwing up the gang signs in the hallway locker room, which was like great. Um and it's just I don't know. That that part of things were very fun. Seeing all the Donald Trump memes of like Melania Trump like not holding holding his hand as they were walking and like all this crazy stuff. 
Uh, that was, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty funny. Um, is it bad so, to wish divorce on him or no? Is that like bad oh, karma? As far as I'm concerned, they're just, they're just like, uh, <laughs> they're just like a public facade. Like they're not, yeah. they don't actually love each other. They don't actually, they're not really together. Like who would want to really be with Donald Trump in like reality? Um, so that, that's, that's my feelings on that. But um, yeah, Biden will be, uh, Biden will be getting in and we'll have, even more things to debate i'm sure because now we're going to turn the attention to him and be like hey so president biden why aren't you doing x y and z x y and z and x y and z and he set the bar high because he and and he had to ask for a lot to even get there right like you said if these communities underrepresented communities hadn't come out and voted for him he would not have won like they they they're giving you the chance he said in his acceptance his acceptance speech you know the black community has always had my back so i'm gonna have yours to me Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me t- let me let me list the ways that you can have my back. Like, are like, are you kidding me? Like, let's start with the Breonna Taylor issue. Like, let let's let let's knock that out. You know, week one. Like, let's get that whole ball rolling again. All these police shootings that happened during 2020. Let's get those on the right track. Like, he. I'm not gonna say he shouldn't have said that because it's true. Because we definitely did have his back in this election. But listen, you just. You just created a lot of accountability for yourself to live up to in the next four years. And we're going to see if you can do it. We're, we're going to see. Um, this is going to be interesting. That's all I got, man. That's, Joe, that's all I got, too. Joe, <laughs> give, a, give us health care, reform the police, uh, give me clean energy, and forgive student debt. That's... <laughs> That's that's the laundry list. That's well. That's the beginning of the laundry list. Ah, uh, yeah, least, I was about to say that's least, very much the beginning for it's me at le- too. It's at least a start, but it's a start. Follow follow through on your promises. That's what I would say. Like, Work with Bernie Sanders. Come on, get Bernie in your cabinet. Yeah, get pay 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 workers an actual living wage. So yeah, I was reading something. Bernie's looking to get is uh, campaigning to get a very sizable position within the Biden please oh my god please labor secretary I want to say labor I would oh that would be tough (laughs) yeah so can we give him secretary of education please can we do that because I know he's the first thing he's gonna say is like let's get rid of the debt and that would be beautiful (laughs) um but yeah that's uh that that's pretty much it anything else you wanted to touch on or, or or you think we're good that's all I got. I'm sure we're gonna have. I'm we're sure we're gonna have a lot more on Friday. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure. Um, but that has been the transition episode 34. Thank you guys for listening. This was kind of a long one, <laughs> I will say. But I hopefully it was a good one. I think we talked about a lot of interesting stuff. Um, and hopefully you guys took some value from it. Don't forget to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you listen to this on. Five. Check out the Instagram five stars only. And don't forget to check out the Instagram, the transition underscore pod for all like the quick clips and, you know, cool stuff that we put up on there. And yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.